Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. If the temptation of life and society is to make you a downer, put you into fear and separateness, just see yourself as one and lift, lift, lift. When you lift others, you lift yourself. It's pretty much the truth. And uh, now businesses are getting it as their way to survive and adapt. Welcome to episode 162 of Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast about inspiring and equipping you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of, Beyond the Rut. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, Brandon Cunningham is going to join us with Paresh Shah. Paresh Shah is a TEDx speaker and author, as well as consultant and coach, who is sharing with the world his concepts around a new era of transformational leadership called Lifter Leaders. Now, he is going to talk with us about how he came about that concept, what he's done to help leaders, CEOs, on down to secretarial staff and janitor staff, and how they can lead in a way from their positions to influence others, to live their best lives, to work their best selves, to be their truest selves in the workplace, so that everybody creates a workplace where they thrive and just serve their customers on a level like never before. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving, and then in that case, we need you to keep your head on a swivel and stay safe as we have our conversation with Paresh Shah about being a lifter leader. Here we go. All right, Brandon, get back to the mic because we got a show I to like do. To walk away, you do, man. It's a horrible habit. At least you're not flossing this episode like you were on the That's last true. one. That's true. That was some fancy kind of floss. Embarrassing. We had to cut video. <laughs> what was, were you doing the floss dance, or actually flossing the floss in the microphone? Yeah. <laughs> that, that probably would have been better than the dance. <laughs> that would be awesome. Just, like, kick off a show, and then there's just the sound of Brandon on, flossing uh, his teeth. <laughs> have you heard? Part. Have you heard of those ASMR videos? Yes, my kids are hooked on that right <laughs> my now. My kids. My, I was like, hey, kids, have you seen this? ASMR. I'm like, Dad, everyone knows what they are. I'm like, yeah. You're the only uh, one that know. My, my daughter's well, have you heard about. Brandon flossing yeah. with his big blue Nessie microphone? It's really quite the calming thing. We ought to just have that as bonus content on some of our episodes. There you go. <laughs> Not even tell people it's there just as soon as the outro music is done. <laughs> that could be your background noise. You just hear <laughs> name the secret sound. <laughs> Pretty sure I, I have some this. floss. Uh, <laughs> I almost forgot what the show's about. <laughs> All right, so yeah. Den- heard- Dennis to the stars. <laughs> You've already heard from him. You know about his name and who he is from the intro. Uh, that that's Paresh right there, uh, calling in from California. <laughs> and how are you doing, Paresh? I am just blessed. It's uh, permagrin on my face. Permagrin on my face. Um, yep, yep. We've got some storming happening here. The uh, I live about a block from the ocean and. A kid from India who moved to Baltimore, grew up there, mm. has fallen in love with surfing now he, that he's a California dude. So it's quite um, quite fun. I was out in the, some really big stuff. I was actually surf, uh, swimming, not surfing. The waves were monsters, not my kind of thing, other than to <laughs> watch. And I watched three guys. There's only a couple of folks out there. Three boards broke. They were so, oh, The wow. waves were so gnarly. So. Wow. Uh, I just yeah, so I'm happy to be here with you guys. <laughs> the weather's much better there than Baltimore, so I can see why you would rather go to California. Dude, we used, we used to road trip for 
hours and hours and hours across the Chesapeake Bay to Ocean City, Maryland, oh, or yeah. the Jersey Shore, or Wildwood, New Jersey, and you know, celebrate. I would race towards that brown, cold, <laughs> ugly water and go, yes, my motherland! And now I realize there's a serious upgrade uh, here in California. Oh, yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, California's got the un- the undercurrents to help drive that and the shoreline and everything mm. to drive those kind of waves. I'm originally yeah. from Monterey, California. And, oh, yeah. Uh, we yeah. don't hold that against him. But, well, you yeah, know, it's, it's right. you're just jealous. That's what it is. <laughs> and to have waves and cool weather yeah. all year round. And, and cool people. And yeah. cool people, yeah. like you your co-host here. <laughs> Good sir. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so other than surfing, what did we bring him on for? All right. Well, uh, another one of these great connections from Interview Valet. Uh, and so Paresh... Uh, T- uh, technology engineer by training and trade and profession, uh, who now is a public speaker and coach consultant on uh, leadership and just bringing new life to organizations. Uh, so that's why I brought him on TEDx talk uh, in Hong Kong about that topic. And you've got a book coming out, I believe, right? Yes, Lifters. sir. Yeah. When I stop, when I when I stop procrastinating and going to the ocean, uh, <laughs> it's hard I to write complete- there. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. It's a book uh, we're really excited about. It's called I Am a Lifter. And you all are lifters for sure. And lifters are the new leaders of this planet from a business perspective, from a social perspective, from an organizational perspective, from a family unit, church perspective. And so the book is called Lifters, Everyday Ordinary People Who Uplift Their Coworkers, Their Customers, Their Company and their community all together in extraordinary ways. So uh, you guys are lifters for sure. Thank you. That That is such a great concept whenever uh, Jerry and I started talking about your your book and your life, that whole concept of lifting other people up and just being that. I, I love that idea of that's your your goal in life is to teach other people how to lift up the people around us. That's correct. That's correct. My mission, among my missions in life, are to elevate as many people as we can, right? Because it's a, it's a bit of a gnarly place. Like we were talking about the surfing waves earlier. Society is getting a little gnarly. There's a lot of <laughs> undertow and churn and people getting tossed about, uh, you know, washing machined uh, in life. A lot of people are depressed right now. There's a lot of violence and anger and separation and hatred and uh, all of these things that are not necessary uh, given how we have evolved as humans. And so to me, um, finding ways to lift people who can then amplify that. So I work with CEOs and corporations and communities to go, how can we be the new type of leaders that are the most effective leaders, most innovative, they have the most loyalty, the most engagement of their workers, the most uh, profit they make um, by lifting other people. And that's my way of amping up uh, my contribution is help people, help people, help people, help people, help people, because there's only so much you can do in a one-on-one basis. So how did you come to this concept of, of wanting to do this as your life work? <laughs> um, the universe sometimes puts you in a washing machine and tosses you about and upside down. And you're like, oh, my God, I can't breathe. And I'm buried under this wall of stuff. Am I going to survive? So uh, many of your listeners may have uh, gone through that given, you know, we're talking about, 
you know, beyond the rut. Sometimes as we grow and expand, we have to go through these, these ruts. And so how I got into this was, um, I, uh, you know, was an engineer, um, turned business guy, Harvard MBA consultant to, you know, to big companies and stuff and an entrepreneur building companies. And so I was very much, um, driven, uh, and I would, I'm a nice guy. I'm not a jerk or anything. I, well, you guys could decide that, but I was very much <laughs> so driven okay. uh, by, by, <laughs> I was very much driven by, um, you know, this whole uh, notion that typically immigrant families and, and others come through uh, with, which is this poverty consciousness of, you know what, I got to work my ass off. I got to make money to survive. What if, you know, I have uh, four children and a wife and, and a lot of responsibilities. And so I was really, you know, driven in the traditional, you know, striving, 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 you know, make money. When I make money, I'll give it away. I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll do things for the world, etc. and building companies and things. And then, um, uh, through a washing machine episode, which we don't need to get into cause it's all just part of our learning process. Uh, uh, the world woke me up and said, Whoa, dude, maybe there's something else. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> Let's just say I was underwater for quite a while, um, and uh, so I really got into through through. Um, I'll tell you actually a quick little story of, of a little um, jump of how I got into it. So you know how like when you're in a flat spin in life, kind of like when you know uh, Tom Cruise and Goose were flat spinning in Top Gun. It's like oh my god, right. my life's out of control. I'm just <laughs> spinning, spinning, spinning. What am I going to do? Um, I got the message from the universe and I wasn't much of a believer in much beyond me and my own efforts and, you know, practical, logical steps in life. I, I wasn't uh, as much of a faithful person. Um, and uh, somehow the universe spoke to me, which I didn't really believe in at the time and said, you know what you need to do, Paresh, to get out of your flat spin and feel like you got a sense of control back. And I was like, I don't know. You need to do something impossible. I'm like, well, well, what is that? Do you want me to like climb Mount Everest or something? And it was like, no, something harder for you, you little <laughs> And I was like, what is it? And you know what the universe clearly delivered to me as the message of what I needed to do to get out of my situation of like despair and like, darkness? It was, you know, that P90X thing that Tony Horton does right. late at night? Right. So, uh, all of a sudden, from around the universe, the universe is going, Paresh, P90X, Paresh, <laughs> P90X, Paresh, you're way out of your flat spin and your issues. And I'm like, what? And that was my impossible because I was like a, you know, basically a brainy Indian kid. I never <laughs> like pushed myself really hard. And the idea of being like ripped and bulky and like, you know, like Tony Horton, like, all right, you know, we're going to you know, <laughs> eat metal this morning and then our protein shake. Um, so I, I we were living in Paris at the time. And so I ordered the DVDs over. We had an American DVD player. And I started doing P90X because to me that was impossible to be like, you know, push myself that hard to be ripped and bulky and like built because I was, you know, basically a skinny brainy guy. And I did wimpy sports like swimming and tennis. I never like really had to crush it hard. No so I did. What? What's that? No contact sports. 
Contact, exactly. <laughs> so uh, what happened was I started doing it in my living room in Paris. My you know, kids and wife were watching what's happening with daddy. Maybe it's a midlife crisis or something. Uh, and he's falling in love with Tony Horton, the P90X guy. Going, I got to meet Tony. It's one in the morning. I got to do my Tony. And so it worked for me. It took me a while. And I really did the impossible. And what's cool, Brandon, you know this because you just came out of some you know, uh, health stuff and surgeries and stuff, is – once you do something that's impossible once, oh, yeah. fill in the blank. It's Anything addictive. is? It's all possible. Exactly. So I was like, whoa. And I finally got into my body and I finally pushed myself harder than I'd ever, 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 ever pushed myself physically. I've pushed myself in other ways before. And I and I became like, you know, the impossible. Like I was, you know, built and stuff. And my wife was watching me. Like my wife and kids, were like watching all along. And then she was like, "Hey, this is working pretty good. I'm gonna do it." So she started doing it. And then guess who showed up on the scene? And my little consciousness on my shoulder tapping at me, going, "Hey, Paresh, it's doubting Thomas here. Remember that impossible thing you did? Maybe it was just a fluke. Maybe it was right. just a fluke that you got beyond the rut." through that and i was like no dude i did the impossible okay you told me if i do the impossible nothing's impossible and so i was kind of mad at that voice so i started doing it again i was like screw you i'm gonna do this again just to show you it wasn't a fluke (laughs) so i started doing it with my wife and i hurt myself because my wrists were kind of wimpy compared to the weights i was starting to use and so i was unable to lift weights uh after a while because i hurt myself so i was like all right, I should do something because I've finally gotten physical. And so uh, I had done some yoga and stuff years ago. And so I ordered some yoga DVDs from the U.S., from Amazon. I was like, ah, I'm getting physical now. And I got into um, uh, yoga, kundalini yoga and meditation and stuff. And between like getting into my body and the physicality of going beyond the pain and going beyond what I thought I could do and then getting into yoga and meditation, I just became like a consciousness, God-loving freak. I, I think I'm all about positivity and meditation and wisdom and you know we are magnets that attract and we are here to support each other as we go through the expansions of life and so through that i uh in a weird way became this yogi which is like the joke on me because i used to make fun of people like me oh yeah okay like it's like dude i was like the guy in the suit and the tie and all that and all of a sudden i'm wearing like baggy elephant pants and now i'm wearing crystals and doing (laughs) mantras it's like what happened to you i'm saying to myself well, what happened was I went beyond the rut and I'm an epic person. I'm just, I've learned a lot and it works. And so I bring business leadership, mindfulness, um, innovation, uh, rock and roll. And I mash it all up, uh, from who I've been over the years into a way that, uh, uh, I find very fulfilling by lifting others. So that's how I got into it was through a fluke of, you know, nature, but nothing is accidental. Everything is in divine order when we pay attention. That's awesome. So how did you get to the U.S.? What brought you here? Oh, I came here when I was one. So my oh, okay. dad, <laughs> my dad was a poor kid, never didn't have shoes till he was 22. Wow. Um, you know, grew up, you know, just totally poor. And then through, you know, what uh, his course and his history, his mom died when he was seven um, and a, uh, a widow uh, helped take care of him and his like six other brothers and sisters. And the widow was like, Hey, don't work in like the family little, you know, 
shop where you were selling soap and like he had like a little shop in front of the house not even a shop basically in front of their house they would sell soap and she's like you know go to school so he went to school and, and went to medical school and so he came over wow. to the america to do his residency and lived here and um then uh brought my mom and my dad my mom and my sister and me uh over uh a funny little quirk on that one was my dad didn't know too much about america <laughs> and he had a choice of going to england or the u.s for his residency and he didn't really know anything and he had this friend who was kind of like remember like eddie haskell yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah okay which one are you i, I bet you brandon you're more like eddie haskell absolutely yeah. Jerry. <laughs> I see that, yeah right so my dad had this friend who was like an eddie haskell smarty pants friend like brandon <laughs> and my dad's like i don't know where to go he goes dude i know everything Show me where you got in. I'll tell you where to go. Hello, Mrs. Cleaver. Yes, we're going to be helping. So my dad said, I got this gig in in London, and I have a gig in America. And the guy goes, where did you get in in America? He goes, well, take a look. And he goes, oh, you got into Harvard. Harvard. Harvard is the best university. You should go to Harvard in the United States. So my dad literally was like, okay, Eddie Haskell, you're the smart guy. You're like Brandon. So he literally booked a flight to come to America to start a residency where he would live in the hospital to save enough money to bring me and my mom and brother and uh, sister over. And he lands in the hood of Washington, <laughs> D.C. Oh, yeah. at not Howard University, the best university, but at Howard, Howard University, University in the 60s, in the racial oh, wow. times. And that's where we started our journey was in a mixed environment of, you know, oh, pink, white, wow. black in at Howard University, which is one of the you know leading universities for, uh, for African-Americans. And that's where we started our journey. He worked there. <laughs> we lived right. We lived in the hood, wow. dude. And my dad's like, oh, America, very good. And it's like that. <laughs> This is not your Eddie Murphy moment. You're supposed to be in Cambridge University, at, and uh, you're in the hood. So, but that really shaped a lot of you know what I feel about people. Everyone's the same, you yeah, know. I'm, exactly. And so, anyway, I, I, I like to look at it that way too, because everybody of different race or or you know religion, whatever it is, we're all basically doing the same thing. We're trying to have a good life, a secure life, and you know we just need basically the same thing. So we shouldn't treat people as different just because they look different. But when you start to recognize right. that everybody's dealing with the same stuff, you Amen. know, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the problems we're having today that I speak about and I teach about when I do keynotes or, or workshops and things is, um, Right now, there is a lot of fueling of otherness right. in society. And if we look at the great teachings of any of the masters in any spiritual tradition um, or any leadership organizational work, uh, it's otherness that causes us personal suffering. So right now we're like, oh, you're a Republican, you're a Democrat, you're black, yeah. you're white, you're an immigrant, you're a, an American, you're a woman, you're a man, you're a, a, a... And whenever we do that, it is the direct invitation to suffering when we look at others as other because we are all one we are all energy fields dancing through space and some of us have you know cool paris wildcat uh class of 88 shirts on and beards and others have you know orange uh what's that a team is that a uh it's one of our prototype um, <laughs> are one of our early t-shirts. early shirts for rudders rudders uh, i thought that was a texas a&m uh 
orange you were wearing there, Jerry. So you know what? We're all one. So somehow I'm a, I'm a fan of Rudder, and I'm a Paris Wildcat because you are me, I am you. And the more once people realize that. We treat everyone as if they are us because they are and love them. Then uh, we will start creating a new world, which is what I'm about. Well, it's funny because, you know, you lived in Paris and I grew up in Paris. So it was the same thing. Two yeah. completely Paris, <laughs> Texas? Was it Paris, Paris Texas? Texas. <laughs> Little Paris, Texas. <laughs> but they don't have the beautiful crepes on the street. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> You can get out. What, what do they have in Paris, Texas? Hot dogs or like chili? Like, what pancakes? do you go out for? Oh, yeah. no, I, what do they uh, have there? <laughs> we, uh, I don't know, probably barbecue. It, yeah, it is actually Texas, the headquarters for Campbell's Soup. Oh, um, hey, Campbell's yeah. Chicken Noodle Soup no is yep. on the order of the greatest epic foods ever. There you go. That's where it's all made, right there in Paris, Texas. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And it's technically, uh, we make uh, Huggies diapers there, too. So that's <laughs> the other thing. Paris, Texas, holding <laughs> out on us. And uh, Vanilla Ice is from there. We went to uh, Oh, the rapper. Together. Yeah. The rapper. Wasn't he the one who got caught for stealing Freddie Mercury's? Under pressure. Wait, wrong. Hey, it worked. Stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with. Okay, I'm stopping. So I, I love the the kind of life uh, path that you're on to lift other people up. So the book is is it's not out yet, but hopefully you surf a little less in the next coming weeks, and then when, that's when right. Do you the book should be out book um, be in out. the second quarter of uh, nineteen, which is coming right. up. Yeah, we've it's well underway. We have a, a publisher, and he's kicking my butt, and uh, it's <laughs> it's just great. Yeah. So the book's coming out. We're doing. I'm doing. The, Keynotes and stuff is really fun. I didn't expect to be a keynote person. I mean, I, I basically do coaching for CEOs, and we do workshops for, you know, typically larger companies around innovation and strategy and leadership and mindfulness and how do you engage your workers and think in non-obvious ways. And then um, the book, yeah, it's just you know, life just kind of gives you that next step, that next step. When when you're in a rut. You know, sometimes you just got to go, okay, what's the next one thing? Just the next one thing. I don't need to solve everything, which our smart brains try to do. Mm-hmm. What's the next step? So, <laughs> yeah. Good. What are some practical ways that people can be lifters? Uh, sure. That's yeah, a great question. Um, we have what we've come up with. It's almost like the seven habits of highly effective people. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with that fantastic right. work that Stephen Covey did, um, we believe what we have is the kind of the equivalent for today's times around what we need to do. And so we have what we call four mind shifts that if you can cultivate these mind shifts, um, that will help you be more of a lifter and move into this new way of being and, and the, a new way of being a leader that historically we've managed um, all of our, uh, you know, organizations and companies. So, uh, one of the first mind shifts we talk about, we call the hunt is over. So one of the things I talk about is when I was at Harvard business school and, you know, many of us in business, we have learned to, uh, I remember I was reading your materials. You said, you know, our target audience is a certain, you know, group of, you know, uh, you know, listeners and that sort of thing. So we've learned to be very effective at targeting customers, hunting for opportunities, you know, beating the competition, capturing our share. And so what we have found is that that mindset of control and the victor, victim, predator, prey, that sports war 
analogy that we use around business and competition, uh, that is now fading out as a model. And we're now moving into a new model, which is not about hunting and targeting and capturing and pursuing, which is kind of a transactional power play over you know, your employees, over your cu- customers. And instead, the mind shift, we say, is the hunt is over. And it's now not about hunting, targeting, capturing, because lifters, we don't need to hunt, target, capture. We inspire our customers. We serve them. We attract them. And ultimately, we lift them. And that's a fundamental 180, guys, on the way most organizations are run. And so we have very specific ways to go, well, how do you do that? And how do we build skills to be able to operate in that way as a leader, whether you're a leader of you know one or two people or a CEO of a global Fortune 30 company. Uh, we work at all levels. And um, it's really exciting, guys, because it's a whole new world being created, okay? This world that we've been living in around like beating each other and competition and dog-eat-dog, that actually is a big mistake, which I talk about in my TEDx talk, which we won't get into. I mean, we can point your listeners to it, but... Uh, the gist is when we were doing our research, I was like, why are we all fighting? Why is it like, you know, because in, in the in wisdom teaching and spirituality, you know, what we know and teach is that there is abundance always. There's abundance and prosperity for everyone. And uh, the funny thing that we learned was that this whole notion, uh, if I'll, I'll a pop quiz, right? this will be one of those pop quiz bleep moments from that movie Speed. Pop quiz bleep. What, what, um, who, what did Charles Darwin teach us? If there was an expression, what did he teach us? Oh, the survival of the fittest was the. There you go. Spot on, that. Jerry. Right? And I asked this question around the world, country after country, as I do keynotes and workshops. And, you know, the smarty pants people like Jerry are the first to raise their hand and go, survival of the fittest. It's like, okay, gold star for you, Mr. <laughs> gold star student. And the funny thing is, the whole world says, you know, it's about survival of the fittest, dog eat dog, natural selection. And what we learned believe it or not, guys, is that whole idea is a mistake. Mm-hmm. It's a mistake. It's not what Charles Darwin meant. And if you read his um, thesis called The Descent of Man, it's an 880-page thesis around what do we need to be um, to advance as humans, to progress, to survive, to, to uh, transcend. Uh, you know what word? Survival of the fittest, he only used twice in the whole thesis okay natural selection like a couple of times you know what word he said 96 times as the answer for humans to survive evolve progress you know what word it was serve close very good (laughs) very close brandon love love there you go okay and no one when i go around the world and i'm looking for smarty pants like jerry to go hey what did charles darwin (laughs) teach us everyone's like Survival of fellas, kill the other guy. And so what has happened is that was a mistake of understanding of what Charles Darwin's teachings were. One of his guys basically was a bad PR guy. And that's what the what the world has been operating under yeah. for the past hundred years. And it's a mistake. And now it's all about sharing, service, compassion, creativity, caring, etc. So um uh, that is one of the ways is we help people shift their mind shift mindsets into this new way of being, which is basically uh, you know the future of leadership. And anyone who um, wants to understand how do I be a leader uh, in my company, um, how do I build an organization in my you know community? Lifter leadership is the next evolution of leadership. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. You have a much better PR guy than uh, Darwin did because it, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what Darwin – the funny thing is this guy's Darwin. Uh, so he had a team of researchers, and here's how I piece it together. Darwin loved hanging out with animals, right? He's like yeah. down in the Galapagos Islands saying, hello, Mr. Turtle. Good to see you for the 400th day. I'm going to <laughs> sketch you again today. So he was really fascinated with the science of you know um, uh, plants and you know botany and animals, and this – other fellow who worked for him, his name was Huxley, okay, yeah. Thomas Huxley, not Aldous Huxley. And you know what his uh, nickname was? They'd call him the Bulldog. Hmm. So, so understand his personality was the Bulldog, and I think he was jealous of Darwin. So Darwin's out there drawing and you know commuting with the turtles and the salamanders and stuff, and his guy is like, dude. Let me tell you what my guy Darwin has come up with. And he's around the world saying it's all about survival. And he was like a negative. He had a negative view of the world. Survival, dog eat dog, natural selection, only the strong survive. So he was out there promoting the wrong message. Wow. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's pretty it's, funny. And then the whole world has been upside down suffering because this new way, which is the actual the actual way of being a lifter leader is all about abundance for everyone. We attract what we put out. Um, it's about compassion, caring, creativity, because that's how we create the greatest innovators and the, and the, the most engaged uh, employees. Yeah. Wow. And other things I remember, I, I got to do a report on Darwin well, way back. I'm not going to say how long ago, but it was way back. It was my early <laughs> college days. Uh, but anyway, like he also talked about adaptability, like, you know, species survival is about these minor adjustments and shifts to the environment around them. And, yes. um, and he also talked about like the importance of diversity in a species, because yes. if you had every, like if everything was cloned and, you know, the environment changed and that species wasn't prepared for it, then they all just exactly. died. Yep. Whereas if exactly. you had diversity in a species and the environment changed, it was the, the, those within that species who were adapted, who would thrive, uh, but everybody else would, you know, survive too. Just, mm -hmm. you know, there'd be some who died off, of course, but um, the species moved on because they had diversity mm. within it. So, on a genetic level, it's like you want diversity, people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, you know, it's a great, it's a fantastic point, Jerry. Yeah, the adversity and the adaptability. We talk about that in our third mind shift. We have four oh. mind shifts, and and you're, we can, uh, you know, send your leaders. Uh, listeners over to um, get more on this. The third mind shift we say is that lifters are what we call yes and people. Okay. Yes. And people. Mm -hmm. And what we mean by that is it used to be in this older version of, you know, uh, the way we used to um, conceive our jobs is you go for a job and let's say, you know, Brandon shows up for a job and I'm the interviewer. I'd be like, okay, so are you a numbers person? 
Or are you a creative type? Or are you a people person? Because if you're a people person, we'll stick you in sales. If you're a numbers person, we'll stick you in finance. If you're a creative type, I don't know what we'll do with you, but we'll stick you somewhere and you can do your creative thing. Training. Um, <laughs> so, so it used to be we had to box ourselves in. And there's still a tendency for people oh, yeah. to feel yeah. they need to do that. I've got kids. You know, they're going to college and stuff. It's like, well, I don't know what I want to be. It's like, dude, you need to be more than a thing. And so this lifter mind shift of yes and is that lifters say, yes, you know, I am a business leader. Yes, I am a podcaster. Yes, I am a chaplain at school. Yes, I am a dad. Yes, I am. And by bringing this diversity together, um, Jerry, that you talk about within an organization and within your own being, within your own spirit, um, when you bring it together in your own unique way, that's one of the things that lifter leaders know how to cultivate in their people is how do you let your people be creatively self-expressed and bring their being to their job? Even if it's a crappy job, how do you allow them to be creatively self-expressed in their own diverse way and make be a contribution? And so what we find is that the greatest leaders are the ones who cultivate that diversity of that yes and because – you know, you want people to go, yes, I'm good with numbers and I'm great with people. And, you know, I, you know, take care of my grandmother every other weekend and I make a mean, you know, Texas chili. And how do you bring those different pieces together to whatever the problem is at hand? Because there's actually magic in being able to bring these different diverse pieces together. Uh, we, you know, the main thing I do is I help companies uh, be uh, non-obvious thinkers and we run an innovation company. And when we do workshops and training and keynotes, we help people go, you know, hey, it's all about tapping into that yes and of who you are and what your team's about because that's where you get that adaptability that you talk about and go, wait a minute, how do we mash up techno you know, Brandon's uh, love for technology with his love for music, with Jerry's love for, you know, uh, lifting the world through his ministry. And how do you bring that into a unique solution uh, to the world, which is kind of like what you're doing, right? You're doing a podcast with your audio skills, with your humor. And so the third lifter mind shift that we talk about in the book and our keynotes and our training, we do workshops live and we now have an online training because we have a lot of small business owners going, Hey dude, I want to be like the new type of leader because my people aren't working hard enough. We're not motivated. We're not innovating. And the lifters are the best innovators. They're the most motivated. They're the most socially conscious. They build the most trust and loyalty. And so the third mind shift we say is where lifters are yes and leaders and they cultivate that yes and within their teams because yes and is how what we uh, talk about in innovation is how you create the intersection thinking that creates new innovations and disruptive ideas so yeah absolutely adversity adaptability comes from yes and um and also breaking through this war warrior mindset to go hey you know what there's abundance for all. Let's show up with our gifts and share it with our customers rather than, you know, try to hawk it to our customers and take advantage of them. It sounds like lifter leaders are creating this environment where their employees can bring their whole self to Amen. the workplace. And it's so much more than I'm, I just have a receptionist who right. stays in that receptionist lane. I've got this janitor. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Oh man, I love yeah. it. And in fact, receptionists are often the best lifters. So Heck one yeah. of the things that we say is, and we've shown is lifters are, you don't need a position. You don't need a title. Some of the greatest lifters, like the receptionist in a building can be the greatest leader because you could have hundreds or thousands of people coming into that building after maybe a tragedy. You know, we've had some fires here in California and that person single-handedly by, as you say, bringing their full self to job to the job can change the lives of thousands of people who walk into that building who then touch tens of thousands of customers who then touch tens of thousands of their family members and people on the road on the 405 here in California. And so it's a way to amplify that lift. And so receptionists, baristas who, you know, put a smile on your face. Lifters are ultimately, they're positive, they're authentic, they're compassionate. They know how to show up. And so you're spot on. Lifters can be anyone, the barista, the receptionist, the parking lot cleaner, to the CEO, right. and that's what's beauty about the beautiful about this lifter leadership model. It's not a hierarchical thing, and it's more of a collective. So, take us to uh, number four. What would be the number four mindset mind shift? Uh, yes, the number. Uh, thank you. The number four <laughs> mind shift. We've covered the hunt is over as the first mind shift. We've skipped the second one. We can get back to it later if you want. The third one is. Lifters are yes and people, and lifter leaders cultivate yes and qualities. And there's very specific skills we teach people on how to do that. Right. There's three or four specific skills we have within each mind shift that you can put to work right away in your teams. And so the fourth mind shift is what we call lifters take invictus action. Right. So a lot of people are like, oh, Paresh, you know what? You're all about positivity and love and gratitude and, you know, teamwork and, you know, kumbaya and all this, you know, stuff that we're, lear we're learning from organizational theory and spirituality and self-help and how humans thrive and survive, you know. And it kind of makes it sound like, you know, we sit around as corporate <laughs> geeks going, oh, peace, love, rock and roll. Yeah. And no, lifters are actually activists. They're activists. They're not just sitting around going, oh, let's just be positive and, you know, wish the world would be peaceful. Peaceful. However, they are compassionate activists. They're activists in a really powerful way. And have you ever seen that movie Invictus uh, with? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of the guy's name offhand. Matt, so Matt Damon. Uh, Matt Damon. No, it's not Matt. Matt Damon. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Matt. <laughs> yeah. Matt Damon is the um, head of the uh, rugby team in right. South Africa. Yeah. And uh, you know, this is. You know, during the transition of the apartheid uh, government, uh, you know, uh, back uh, to the people of uh, uh, South Africa. So it's a very delicate time. And Nelson Mandela has just been, you know, released from um, from jail. And um, this guy, Francois Pignard, is the you know fellow who um, Matt Damon plays and Morgan Freeman, of course, plays. Morgan was the guy I was thinking. I was like, no, yeah, but Nelson Mandela. And so <laughs> what he did though, so was genius. What Mandela did was genius. Now, of course, once we bring Nelson Mandela, well, I'm sorry, once we bring our friend uh, Morgan Freeman into a conversation, our voices have to change into a Morgan Freeman. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. True story. So, um, just to interject real quick. I, yeah. I, 
I wanted to get on Fiverr once and have a guy who does Morgan Freeman impersonations to do our <laughs> intro for the show. Hey, um, but apparently we didn't have the budget for that. So <laughs> you got to up that a little bit if you want to get a Morgan Freeman impersonation yeah. on here. Uh, anyway, well, sorry. Go ahead. Morgan Freeman, Invictus. Morgan, Morgan, Morgan Freeman. He's playing Nelson Mandela. And what Morgan Freeman does very well with Matt Damon is he redefines victory. See, when he came out, there was a real risk that the oppressed South African blacks would basically retaliate against the apartheid oppressors and kill everybody. And so he found a way to take action. He's an activist, right? I mean, he was an activist from his tiny prison cell through his meditation and and so what he did was he said let's let's change winning getting back to hunt is over right it's not about let's kill the deer and like let's you know bring it home and let's change the definition of victory so for him the definition of victory was bringing the country together using rugby and this team and their love for the sport and their hate for each other in a really unique way to get them to love each other and love the sport and say, Hey, you know what, whether, you know, it's a white, you know, he had the team go around on buses and play soccer, uh, play, uh, play ball with children all over the country. And they're like, why do we have to do this? Cause he basically had people say, Hey, these white guys who they, they would vote the black team, the black audience would vote against their own team. Cause it was a white team with like one black guy, Chester, yeah. And so they, he changed the definition of victory um, to, hey, let's bring, bring this together and let's win as a country and through his power and his prayer and their persistence and their patience and like really you know tough stuff. They did the fourth – they embodied the fourth mind shift, which is they took invictus action. They put their boots on the ground and they took very specific action but we talk about lifters being compassionate activists you know compassionists or something like that because it's not like you raise your fist and start you know banging people down and becoming violent and because that doesn't help getting back to our point earlier about otherness so lifters find a way to be activists for change, for transformation, and to lift the world in a way that works for everyone rather than, you know, bringing one group down in order to lift others. Yep. So that's the fourth mind shift. It's called taking invictus action. And we have very four very specific skills we teach organizations on how to have their people embody that. And that's great. We'll we'll link to all of that in the uh, show notes to make sure if, if some people are driving or working out and yeah, you can get yeah. to write all that stuff down. We'll make sure we have and all of those for uh, the sake show of time. Too. We won't be able to touch that second mind shift. We'll actually leave that as a hook. There you so, go. You yeah, gotta go to the website. Uh, to you listening, if you want to know what that second mind shift is, you've got to go right. to his website. We're going to link that in the show notes. <laughs> We're going to talk about it in the outro uh, when that book comes out. You got to buy a copy of that book. <laughs> that's the one. Uh, that one is the one that will change your life. There you so go. Exactly. Yes. Second, yes. Like, so what? That is the blue pill. Is it the red pill or blue pill? The what red you, pill it, opened it, your eyes. It, the blue pill kept you in the matrix. <laughs> which, wait, a minute, wait a minute. Morgan Freeman again. Which one? Which one was which? Uh, the the red pill opened your eyes. The blue uh-huh. pill kept you in the matrix. Okay. Yeah. Second mind shift. So the red when, pill. when when you do finish the book, we will uh, we'll bring you back and maybe promote oh, it definitely. whenever we can. Uh, take oh, part bet. in that whenever you get that finished. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's really coming so along. It's going to be great. People want to get a hold of you. I know we're going to have a lot of things in the show notes, but if they just want to follow you or learn a little bit more about you, what's the best way to do that? 
Yeah, you bet. Um, so one resource that uh, you may find helpful is have your uh, listeners um, go to IamALifter.com. There because I imagine listeners of you know your your Beyond the Rut show are lifters because they're they're about making a difference and, and showing up to life. So go to uh, I am a lifter dot com slash Beyond the Rut. I am a lifter. I a m a l i f t e r lifter dot com slash Beyond the Rut. And there we've got some stuff. We've got, uh, we have a diagnostic to see what kind of lifter are you. Cool. Uh, that's free. Uh, we have a TEDx talk, which I was invited to give, which they live stream to the uh, children in Hong Kong in their elementary schools, junior highs, yeah. and high schools because they felt this was a very important message for children to get so we don't have to re-educate ourselves. Let's get it right the first time. Uh, So there's a TEDx talk. um, And we actually uh, have a curriculum that we've introduced. If you want to be a lifter leader uh, in your company um, or as an individual, you can, there's uh, some online training stuff, uh, which is really cool. And it's breakthrough stuff. My team is amazing. This isn't just me. I'm just the front man. I'm I'm the Mick Jagger of a band uh, because the jacket fit. Um, But basically, (laughs) Remember that show? Was it was it the Brady bot? Well, I just yeah. mixed I mixed Mick Jagger and Greg Brady, didn't I? That yeah. is awesome. <laughs> that, that was Greg Brady. The, hey, the jacket fits. I got to be the guy in front. That's what happened, right? What, what happened? Was he like in the band and he thought he was going to be like a big rock star? Yep. They were, and then what happened? That, that he didn't have any talent. He the only <laughs> thing that happened was the jacket fit. That was the only thing. Because I, I think it went to his head. Yep. I think like he became the lead singer for this band, and it went to his head. And Bobby and Marsha are like, "Oh, he's becoming you know such a bleep. Yep. We'll bleep it out." And uh, and then so the whole thing just and fell then apart. They played the music, and he's like, "That's not my voice." And yeah. like, what up? And then yeah. they're like, "Dude, the last singer he quit, and we picked you because." The jacket fit. That is awesome. Fit. That is the that, best squirrel cool. moment on this show ever, right oh, there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, I, so basically, in my TED talks and keynotes and workshops and all that stuff, uh, I'm just the front man because the jacket fits. We have an amazing team of researchers, uh, leadership experts, organizational behaviorists. Um, one of my business partners is a neuroscientist. So we're really about happiness, um, performance, and when you're a lifter leader, we in, we talk about this in our talk in our in our training. Companies that um, embody lifter leadership and conscious leadership practices that are around purpose, positivity, authenticity, uh, servant leadership, we perform, guess what, 10.5 times better according to the Harvard Business Review research. Can you imagine being 10 times better uh, at what you do? How about you, Jerry? What if you were 10 times better at something? What would you pick being 10 times better at? Oh, boy. You'd be more like me. Yeah, <laughs> you'd be. You'd just have to. You'd get closer. So I'd be more taller like and that. have a beard. Is what you're saying? <laughs> there you go. Sweet. If you were yeah. ten times so, better at growing a beard. Yeah. So if you operate, so if you operate with these positive, conscious leadership pr- principles, your organization can do ten times better. Not ten percent, guys. 10x and so this is bottom line stuff it's bottom line stuff it's not just hey it's about being positive and you know helpful and and paying it forward and no this is the way to survive otherwise you will be eaten because you will not be able to adapt as jerry was saying the adversity of today's disruption and innovation and pace of change and technology will crush you (laughs) unless 
you take on this lifter leadership stuff. And so, yeah, it's uh, awesome. go to I am a lifter.com. There's a bunch of stuff there. Uh, you can follow me at, um, uh, Twitter at, uh, Paresh L A P A R E S H L A at Paresh L A. Um, and, uh, then I also run a company, uh, which is called the non-obvious company. And if your organization is really looking to bring in some non-obvious thinking, we are innovation, um, uh, junkies. We're great at it. We're great at bringing out innovation, great ideas uh, for companies to be disruptors themselves. So those are some resources, and I'm here for you guys and your audience. Um, and uh, I'd be happy to do a Morgan Freeman <laughs> conversation with you once again, anytime, and take that red pill uh, so we can get out of beyond the rut by taking the red pill with <laughs> our friend Brandon and Jerry. Cool. Appreciate you. I hope you get to get back out into the water and enjoy your day there in uh, California. You bet. God bless you guys. I really appreciate all the good work you're doing. And uh, to your listeners, keep lifting. Keep lifting. It's all about lifting one another up. Do not go the other way. If the temptation of life and society is to make you a downer, put you into fear and separateness, just see yourself as one and lift, lift, lift. When you lift others, you lift yourself. It's pretty much the truth. And uh, now businesses are getting it as their way to survive and adapt. So be well. Awesome. God bless. Take care. Keep lifting. Keep Appreciate lifting. It. If you like everything you heard in this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 162. There you'll find a description about what this episode was about, as well as links going back to Paresh's website, IamALifter.com, and his TEDx talk and many other resources for you, your friends, your family members, your co-workers, even that neighbor across the street. Yes, the one who is annoying and tells you to move your car every time you park in front of it, even if you're just there to mow your yard so the car's out of the way, that kind of thing. All right. Yeah, I'm a little bitter. I'm going to get over it. I'm going to forgive my neighbor and maybe share some of these resources with him, uh, but I'll work up to it. In any case, we're so glad you joined us this week, and we look forward to you joining us again next week as we have another episode about how you can live life beyond the rut. And in the meantime, we want you to actually go out and live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.